Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Hi, I'm Fred Hooper. This is Pacific Prepared. It's a show all about natural disasters, how you can get ready for them, and how people right across the Pacific have survived them already. Each week, we work with local reporters, so they get it. They understand what everyone is going through during a natural disaster. Today, try and imagine what it would be like to tell someone that your home is slowly disappearing due to climate change. But then that person doesn't even know where your home is. That's Mia Kami. She's a singer-songwriter from Tonga. You'll meet her soon. Also, we'll ask some young people what they think of natural disasters and what it's like living in a place in the Pacific that is so vulnerable and so prone to natural disasters. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. People's lives have been affected by a disaster. Know what to do. Know what to do. Know what to do. Clearing roads. Restoring critical infrastructure. See, all the signs are coming. So we have to prepare. Be prepared. Pacific prepared. You might have heard about flooding in Fiji's Northern Island of Vanua Levu recently, which isn't that unusual, especially for this time of year. But it obviously can cause issues for the locals affected. And if you're in those areas, you might also notice things like roads, drains that are blocked or damaged due to floods. Recently, the Fijian government visited some of these flood-impacted areas in Vanua Levu. They wanted to see what sort of damage was caused on the ground and what they might be able to do to try and prevent some of this damage in the future. What I've seen is that those areas have uh, not been adequately covered and uh, that is uh, very critical. It's very critical that we um, include that as separate components, emergencies and maintenance. And uh, not only that, but also for it to be enough to maintain our uh, infrastructure because without the maintenance it will rapidly deteriorate so we need that uh, every year with a proper um, proper support to our agencies such as uh, PG Roads Authority, Water Authority and also um, probably the EFL and see how we can coordinate better in order to serve our people especially in, uh, in most of these uh, these areas, yeah, both urban and uh, rural, but for rural, uh, you can see that you know life uh, is not uh, is a struggle. So we need, uh, as a government, to support the infrastructure, and we hope to you know to better support them in the next four years, which is why I'm here to uh, really look at the ground level situation, increase weather events. It would be good to relook it, relook at it as a government on what in terms of uh, mitigation and, um, and recovery 
whether we need to set aside a separate uh, sovereign fund or something like that for it, eh? mm. rather than um, than what we're doing now, so because things will. Uh, I don't think th mm. things will not improve. Eh? Mm. It'll, the, the, the climate change uh, predictions are that mm. the weather will will get uh, you know worse. Eh? Mm. So we need to prepare for that as a government in terms of budgeting and uh, other mitigation things. I think there's a, so I met some, yes, so they, I met them today and uh, regarding their water supply. So after this, I'll just stop there just to see what the situation is. Eh? I think it's a settlement and uh, there are people who, uh, you know, who are struggling in society in terms of, uh, they just need infrastructure and uh, support in terms of water. But, uh, it, it doesn't, it's not a big budget, it's just small uh, settlements we need to support it. Eh? And that's, uh, that's another area I'll be looking at now, and yeah, not only here, but also around the country. Thank you. The Minister for Public Works, Transport and Meteorological Services, Ro Philippe to Saval, speaking with the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation. We need to be prepared for the future. Helping you stay safe. We have built a seawall two times, but it did no good. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Imagine trying to explain to someone that your home was disappearing due to climate change. And you can imagine the sort of reaction that you might get back, some sort of empathy toward your situation and an understanding of, of what you're going through. But you wouldn't expect someone to turn around and say, where is that? I, I don't know where that is. I wonder how that would make you feel. This has been the experience of Mia Kami. She's a singer-songwriter from Tonga, and she's travelled the world talking to large groups of internationals about her country and the struggles that they're going through with climate change and natural disasters. And she's had some really awkward conversations along the way, like people asking where her country even is located in the world, where the Pacific is. And it does feel like she's been able to channel that into her music. History repeats itself if we don't tread carefully opens doors to potential hypocrisy. hello my name is miyakami and i am a tongan singer songwriter artist and storyteller last month in november i got to go to new york um, to attend the united nations foundation we the people's awards um, and so the reason that i was that was there because I was receiving an award, the SDG Vanguard Award, uh, for my work as an artist and activist, bridging the gap between art and activism. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it was an honor, and a, it was nice to be acknowledged. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the award. What drives that for you? I attended university at the University of the South Pacific in Fiji, and if attending uni in the Pacific, attending a Pacific uni, really helped me think about my understanding of Pacific issues because I spent my entire high school at an international school in Suva. And so um, I wasn't learning about the region uh, as much as I wish I was. But I got into uni and suddenly I was learning that we had Pacific authors, we had Pacific writers, we had Pacific writings. And um, it sort of sparked this interest in me 
um, with with regional issues, particularly regionalism, Pacific regionalism. Um, and from there, my my dad is also very involved in the conservation space um, as an as an oceans consultant. And so, watching his work over the as I grew up um, also kind of helped me understand the importance of being a part of that. And so, from there, um, in addition to my love for music, and I started writing, and so it just kind of fell into place, I guess. And like music has always been a significant part of my life, but science never has been. Yeah. And so, um, I knew that going into this space, I can't go in as someone that's an expert on the science of climate issues and Pacific issues, but um, to be a to be more of a storyteller in this space rather than a scientist. What sort of questions do you get then off the back of that, um, being someone from the Pacific in, say, for example, in New York or in the States, what sort of questions do you get about, or do you get questions, I suppose, about climate change and what it's like in the Pacific because you've obviously spent so much time here? Well, it's interesting because uh, first, the first thing is a lot of people don't know where Tonga is. Um, that's the most common one. The one right. that, that shocks me yeah. is when... Um, is when I say I'm from the Pacific and they don't know where the Pacific is. And I think that kind of gives you an understanding of their, of their understanding to climate change. And I feel like... Um, is, that, is that common, though, to have that reaction? That where is the Pacific? Or I don't know where that is. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, this past year, um, I've been able to attend a few conferences that are international. So there's a lot of countries um, that there are a lot of people from other countries that have never heard of the Pacific. Like, I'll say, I'm from Tonga. And they're like, where? And then I'll say, the, you know, like, the Pacific. They'll say, mm, I don't know where that is. I said, the Pacific Ocean? They're like, I don't know where that is. And then I have to be like, Australia, New Zealand. They're like, oh, yes, yes, Australia, New Zealand. Then I say, yeah, we're like near that. And so I, I feel like that, that really does just give you an understanding of how they sort of gauge our existence, which I feel like contributes to that whole issue of the fact that a lot of people don't realize that climate change threatens our very existence and the fact that they don't even know we exist in the first place makes it a lot harder, right? Yeah, so it's just really interesting when you go into certain spaces and you realise, like, we're fighting for our existence and these guys don't even know that we exist. Maybe understandable someone might not know where Tonga is, mm-hmm. but when someone you get to the level where someone doesn't know where the Pacific is, how do you feel as a Tongan? It's very, it's very hard, and it's sad, too, because you'd think, like, being the largest ocean and... We're not. We're like we're a large ocean state. We're not small Pacific Islands. We're a large ocean state, and so I just feel like it has a lot to do with the narrative that was controlled around the Pacific from way back before during the colonial period. Um, just where we were viewed as insignificant because we were viewed as these small island states, and the fact that that has extended so far into the other side of the world that doesn't really know we're here. Um, it's not. It's not nice to hear that people don't even know the ocean that you're from when we all know like the Indian Ocean you know like all the the other oceans around the world um, but then on the other side too there's a lot that we don't know about the rest of the world as well and so um, it's, it's a bit of like a 50-50 situation where you're sad that they don't know that we're here but then you also have to take into account that we also don't know a lot that's happening everywhere else yeah you first need to change Perfect people. Differences aside. When I go into these spaces, we hear a lot of the science. We hear a lot of the 
the facts about like you know if we we got to keep it at 1.5 to stay alive right we hear all of those things we got to keep our ocean healthy we got to do all those things but the the thing that i find comfort in that i can contribute is uh the fact that i can bring art into a space that's dominated by science and i feel that's the best way that i can connect to people that haven't heard about us um because it's a way for them to hear our stories in a way that connects with everyone no matter where you're from yeah. no matter what language like music right so like i said because i write and i and i sing these songs i'm essentially telling our stories in a way that everyone will be able to understand right across the board um and and it's and it goes further than just reaching you know the top of your head it's you're going deeper into the heart the soul because like i said there's so much at risk for us it's not just a matter of like you got to work now so that we can we'll be okay in like 2 years now nah, it's like our entire future is at stake and so um yeah i feel like going into these spaces with my songs my guitar uh has been a really powerful way to connect with people and i'm i'm really lucky that i get to do that in the way that i do yeah essentially when i write a lot of it starts with me i i told i i think about how am i feeling right now what am i feeling about what's happening right now um just because i feel i can write a lot more deeply when i'm pulling it out from myself um and then from there as i'm writing i try to think uh how can i articulate this in a way that maybe someone else would be able to understand um and empathize the big thing that i look for when i write is i want people to be able to empathize with what we're experiencing and what we're going through even though there they might be certain things that i feel by myself i know essentially that eventually there will be one or two or three maybe five people that can understand where we where we're coming from and um I felt that in New York at one point where I was in a room full of United Nations people and there was um there were different leaders present people from different private the private sector just across the board and it was really interesting because they were all from different countries as well and what was really heartwarming for me was the people from the Caribbean the the Caribbean delegation um they all stopped me as I was coming back to my table and they're like everything you said is exactly what we're going through you know and so we're on completely different sides of the world and yet through music through song we were able to connect over the same problem that we were experiencing and so i just think that's really special yeah that 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 i got to experience that and that i got to share in a way that they could connect with because yeah. i know that if i'd gotten up and said like a 15 minute speech it probably would not have gotten the same reaction. Uh, can we talk about the volcanic eruption as well? Were you actually in Tonga when that you went in Tonga? No, so I wasn't in Tonga. I was in Fiji. Um but it was crazy because we felt the earthquake. Yeah. Um I was at home and the house started to shake and like, you know, we get a few tremors every now and then, so we didn't really think much of it. Um and then I was actually in the middle of a gig. I was about to start a gig and uh, my mom messaged and she was like, "Hey, there's been a volcanic eruption at home." And it might have been one of the most like anxiety filled gigs I've had cuz I there was nothing else I could do because you know we couldn't reach our family um but I mean the reality of it is like I said we can't talk about the eruption without talking about climate change I mean like the severity of it and the impacts like the long term impacts after mm. like and it also goes back to how we um like climate solutions as well and our response to natural disasters There's just so much that we have to look at when it comes to these sort of things. And but I'm just really relieved that when I was surprised when I came back to, when I moved to Tonga in May 
that it looked like the volcano never hit. And that just goes to show, like, we're resilient people. It doesn't matter if what hits us, we've pushed through harder. We've spent years, like, for years we've been screaming, yelling, stomping our feet, singing our songs and saying, like, hey, we've got so much going on right now and we contribute the least and yet you guys are making us, like, we're suffering the worst. It's a good thing that people finally know, you know, they're like, oh, wow, there's an island called Tonga and there was a volcanic eruption that happened. But, like, we shouldn't have to wait for the worst to happen to finally start recognizing the problems that we're experiencing now. And so, yeah, no, I have to say, like, personally, I wish that that wasn't the case. I really, really wish that wasn't the case. Um, But it is good that they know that Tonga's on the map. My tiny little dot is there. but the issue always comes with after the momentum. Are you going to keep the momentum after or are you just going are we just a story for the month and then you move on to the next? If we fail if we fail to be that change. Miyakami, a Tongan singer and songwriter who focuses on climate change, the environment and natural disasters in her music. What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared. Often as a young person, you have a slightly different take on life, just generally. You think differently and you have different things that you care about. So thinking about that, I wanted to find out what young people thought about living with natural disasters, what it was like to grow up in a place that was so vulnerable like that. And if you're in the Pacific now, you'll know exactly what it was like as a young person. But I wonder if you feel differently about things now. Uh, my name is Pretty Vangina, and I'm 16 years old, ex-community school. Awesome. Uh, what do you know about natural disasters and, and climate change? Um, all I know that there's been changing around the years, which is quite um, amazing for us to experience, especially when we have the... Uh, Volcano eruption is also the tsunami at the same time. So for me, is it was kind of interesting because it was my first time experiencing it. So, yeah. What was that like for you? Um, life changing actually because I didn't know that um, that it could happen here in Tonga because mostly here in Tonga, there's not much such big natural disasters. But for the volcano eruption and the tsunami. Yes, but at the same time, we count it as a blessing that we're also here safe and sound. Yeah. yeah, sure. Do you think people who live outside the Pacific understand what climate change is really doing to countries? Well, from my perspective, I believe that, yes, people are aware of what had happened here in Tonga, but not just here in Tonga, especially in Fiji, around Samoa, yeah. Uh, my name is Baptiste Flory. Uh, I'm 15 years old. I go to ex-community school. What, have you lived through some natural disasters like cyclone storms, that kind of thing? Uh, cyclones, uh, Cyclone Gita. Uh, that was my first cyclone I experienced. Right. It was uh, it was pretty rough. What happened? Where were you? Uh, I was at uh, I was at home, just with uh, my mum and my dad, and then we heard the radio said that there was a cyclone, so we hurried and uh, got some copper, some stuff to. Near like against the louvers, yeah, yeah the right. windows, yeah. And you just stayed in your home the whole time? Yeah, we just stayed at our house. And your house was okay? Yeah, our house was okay. And what were you, were you kind of were you worried at that time though? I guess there would have been a lot of noise around from the the wind. 
Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I was worried about my families in other houses, so my dad went and picked them up, so we all stayed, all of our families were in one house, and, uh, yeah, we just started praying to God to uh, help us. Are there things that you do, like, now when there's no disasters happening to prepare for them? Like, are there things that you sort of, you think about getting ready for? Oh, to be honest, I, I just thank the Lord for, for not, um, like, keeping us safe here in Tonga. Uh, but if there was something to prepare, I would say to uh, stay home and, yeah, keep praying. My name is Kilipia Koteo and I'm 18 years old. I go to ex-community school in Tonga. Excellent. Have you lived through a few natural disasters as well? Yes, yes I have. What sort of things? Uh, cyclones, hurricanes, and also the recent one, the volcanic eruption and the tsunami. Uh, so from my experience, um, so every year, so when I was growing up, uh, so the first year the cyclone wasn't that, um, wasn't that disruptive. But as the years went by, like due to, due to climate change and um, global warming, I, I did I did recognize that every year it becomes more disruptive and it actually destroys more homes than it did before. Yeah, that's what I experienced. Is climate change something that you think about a lot too? Yeah, I do. I do think about. And do you feel like the people who live outside the Pacific understand what climate change does here? I don't really know because. Uh, because we're just here to raise awareness and actually ask for your help um, to actually see that that our specific islanders are the ones actually at risk. We're the ones actually facing the challenges of climate change, the rise of sea level and the hurricanes. How does all that make you feel about living in Tonga? Uh, biblically, I don't really care because I know that the culture is in God's hands. But also, um, also, I'm also concerned about the people and uh, all of us. If like since the like every year, we are, we're always expecting a cyclone to occur, and we don't know how hard it's gonna hit us. And yeah, we're, we're quite. Some of us are quite um, scared. But for me, I'm not really scared. <laughs> My name is David Alpha, I'm 17 years old and I go to ex community school in Tom. Can you explain to me what you know about natural disasters and, and climate change? Um, all I know is that um, it's a lot to do with um, global warming and um, high sea levels, um, sea levels rising and just yeah, it's increase in um, natural disasters and it worsening. Yeah. What sort of natural disasters have you seen personally? Hurricanes. Yeah. Earthquakes, tsunamis, and um, just the recent um, volcanic eruption in January. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty frequent now. Um, it's like every year we experience cyclones. So it's for now we just yeah, sort of normal now, right? Sort of normal, yeah. We tend not to underestimate it, but yeah, we do prepare ourselves. But yeah, it's it's kind of like a routine now every year. Expect a tsunami, um, uh, a cyclone nowadays. Do you think that people who live outside the Pacific understand what climate change does to people in the Pacific? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are aware because um, there have been there has been other um, groups, uh, movements to um, to raise awareness of um, climate change, and I'm pretty sure the people are aware. But, I think it's just us um, and when we're going to actually like do something about it and 
and just not talk about it, but actually do something. Yeah. My name is Laureen Devi. I am 17 years old. I go to X Community School here in Toronto. And what do you know about um, climate change? Um, I know that it's affecting us greatly. Um, my point of view is very different from my parents' point of view because back then climate change wasn't um, that serious. Um, and nowadays, back then, they would only have cyclones about like once every eight years or something. But now we have it every other year. Um, for me, I've been through two um, Category 5 um, cyclones. Um, yeah, in, in 2015, my family and I, we moved to Vanuatu. And one month into moving there, we, um, we experienced um, Cyclone Pan, um, five, five, yeah, Category 5. Um, 11 people died in that cyclone, and it was mostly due to running around during the cyclone which is about 150 to 180 kilometers of the wind. Yeah. And yeah, they, a lot of people were left homeless with nothing. And in 2018, my family and I, we moved to Tonga. And one month also into moving here, we experienced Cyclone Dita, which was also a Category 5. But this one was different because um, my family and I, since we experienced uh, th- uh, one before in Vanuatu, we we came to Tonga and we knew what was going to happen. So we went out to the community and we went out to the vulnerable places and the homes and we we took them out and we took them to our church hall and we gave them food and water. And some of our young leaders and, and youth stayed with them over the night throughout the cyclone. And then the next morning, um, normally we would wait for like assistance from other countries, which would normally take a month. But we came out the very next day after the cyclone, and we went out. We we went checked their houses, and we we gave them stuff to to wait until other resources come in. Some young people from Axe Community School there in Tonga talking about what it's like growing up in Tonga and also living alongside natural disasters and what their experiences have been as well. It is funny how we look at things completely differently as a young person. This is Pacific Prepared. I'm just holding on for dear life here. For women, it's always safety first. They are the first responder. You're listening to Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji, Samoa National Radio 2AP, SIBC Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation and TBC Tonga. Now, if you're working in an area that you think might be relevant to the program, please keep us informed so that we can tell everybody about that and tell them about what you're doing. Or maybe you've got a story idea, a personal experience that you want to share, or someone that you think that we should meet for the program. 
please, the easiest way to get in touch is to search for Pacific Prepared and then scroll down to the Connect With Us section. You can also listen back to the program in full. Just type Pacific Prepared into your search engine and you will find us. And we're also on the ABC Listen app. Part of the aim of this program is to start conversations about disasters. What would people do and how would they prepare as well? We want those conversations to try and make disasters easier for you and your family moving forward. My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared.